Greetings. I'm Raman Chada, founder of the Junto Institute. Welcome to Flourishing Together, where we have inspiring conversations with people who are becoming infinitely better at who they are and what they do. In Junto's history, we've had 31 companies graduate from our apprenticeship program. Two of those companies have been acquired, only one of which had a what you might call a successful outcome or a successful exit. And so I'm thrilled to uh, have with us today Aaron Fajalak, one of the co-founders of Designation, uh, which was recently acquired by the Flatiron School and WeWork. And we're going to hear his story. Aaron, as we do in uh, Junto Sessions, we're going to start out by hearing uh, how you're feeling right now and a little bit of the why. Today, I'm feeling uh, a little bit gloomy. Um, I lost one of my best friends this past week. Um, I was home in Cleveland with friends and family to um, attend the funeral. Um, with that, you know, over the last two weeks, um, loss of a job uh, through the WeWork layoffs. Um, but with that, you know, there's always a new chapter in life, and I'm, I'm still feeling excited and optimistic of about what the future holds. And I'm excited to do this podcast with you. Thank you. And um, I'm feeling a little playful right now. Uh, I'm feeling extremely excited, sentimental, and uh, affectionate because, as I shared with you a little earlier, one daughter is coming home this evening and another daughter's coming home in a couple of days. So haven't seen either of them in the, uh, in person in a few months and, um, very, very excited to finally do that. All right. So we're going to be doing something, um, a little bit different than we normally do on flourishing together. Aaron Fajalak has a, an interesting story to tell on multiple levels, not only personally, um, and professionally, but also as it relates to the company that he was a co-founder of and its relationship with uh, the Junto Institute and to some degree, even personally to me. So um, it's going to be fun um, telling this story. Uh, so we're going to kick things off with a little bit of background from, from my vantage point. And, um, and then we're going to weave Aaron into this and uh, we're going to tell what seems to be almost a, 10 year story, I think, uh, from start to, to finish. So it begins in the early 2010s when I was a professor at DePaul University and I was teaching a class called New Venture Creation. And it was in the entrepreneurship program, uh, which is where I taught. And one of my students was uh, a young man in the grad program uh, whose name is Andrew. He was as engaged of a student as I've ever had, uh, was very passionate, had a lot of ideas, seemed to be a um, multi-talented young man. And uh, we kept in touch a little bit even after he graduated. And so I'm going I'm to shift a little bit, just kind of keeping that as a placeholder, this young man named Andrew, who I had as a student. And I'm going to fast forward now um, about two to three years into what is probably going to be 2012 or 2013. I got a random cold LinkedIn connection request from a young man uh, named Kevin, who at the time was a student at the University of Illinois. 
And his LinkedIn introduction basically said, hi, Raman, I see that you are also a University of Illinois graduate and would love to get your advice on a business idea that I have. So like most um, alumni of any university, um, I'd like to think, I responded positively, you know, when a student reached out and I said, sure, I'd be happy to help however I can. We had a phone call and he ran a business idea past me, uh, something related to the gambling industry. And I don't remember the specifics of it. So then uh, go further another four to six months, Kevin reaches back out to me and says, I'm thinking about starting a, a school of some sort that um, would help people learn design and coding and, um, and UX and UI, user experience, user interface. And I'm wondering if you have any experience in that world or any contacts. And coincidentally, one of the mentors, one of the earliest mentors that we had in the Junto Institute uh, was a, uh, a friend named Jim Jacoby, uh, who was in that industry. And so I actually introduced the two of them to each other. And it turned out then that Jim offered his company space to run the very first program that Kevin wanted to introduce under the auspices of this name called, uh, I think it was the designation at the time, uh, which is kind of eerie because that's how Facebook started, right? The, the Facebook. So that was kind of cool that the two of them ended up linking up, ran the first program. Now fast forward another maybe year or two. And that former student of mine, Andrew, reaches back out to me in 2014, about eight months after designation launched. And Andrew asks if I can come in to um, the company's offices and meet the team and uh, see if there's any way that I could be of help to them with their business. And who knows, maybe even through the Junto Institute, which at the time is only about a year and a half old. So I go in and meet with Andrew and Kevin, and I'm introduced to this third young man uh, named Aaron. And uh, that happens to be the Aaron that is sitting with me here right now, um, who you've already heard from. And we ultimately realize that um, right now isn't you know, good timing for them to consider Junto. Um, I also read uh, a little bit that amongst the three of them, there might be some misalignment, perhaps, uh, in terms of their priorities and what they believe in. And uh, I, I do know that Aaron and Andrew seem to be a little bit more experienced than Kevin. Um, I'm curious if that's if that's accurate, but that's what I remember as I reflect on that. Aaron is nodding his head yes. And so um, that's the end of that meeting. Fast forward another couple of years, and this time, and I don't think we looked back into this, but I, I believe I reached out to you, Aaron. And I had seen that designation had grown, but I, the reason I reached out to Aaron and not Kevin or Andrew is because based on, I think what I probably saw on LinkedIn, it appears that Aaron is now running the business and that the other two young men aren't involved. And so Aaron graciously responds to me and says, sure, I'd be happy to meet, get caught up. And we then talk for a few weeks or maybe a couple months, perhaps um, I meet with the team at designation and uh, they make a decision to uh, enroll in the Junto Institute's apprenticeship program. So, so far, I think I've covered five to six years of our uh, mutual story. 
Uh, Aaron, did I miss anything? No, not at all. I mean, how we got from four teammates to one is is another one we can unpack another day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it is important to note that things didn't work out. I'm comfortable saying that amongst the three partners, co-founders. And um, I know a lot about that story from Aaron's perspective. I don't know as much, obviously, from Andrew and, and Kevin's perspective. You know, the good news is that despite what happened, there was a, a happy uh, ending for you, at least, which I'm thrilled about because I've gotten to um, develop a friendship with you and have really appreciated our relationship over the years. I, th- um, um, I would say that um, having connected, you know, through the sale to WeWork, Kevin and I um, found a way to work together, which was great and reconnected. Um, I've con- reconnected with Andrew and we all have a shared perspective that we were just, we we're all young mid twenties idiots trying to figure out how to get this thing started passionate, but also vulnerable in the state we were in. And we could have behaved uh, better, but we didn't. And in the end, uh, we made the right choices to get, you know, get the program to where it was the number one, one in the world. And, uh, someone like WeWork saw it as a valuable asset to their business. So through it all, it's been uh, a tremendous experience. So you've already given up a couple of the little things that we were going to unravel here, which is uh, that you were co-founder of a business that was acquired by WeWork and more specifically one of its um, subsidiary firms or mm-hmm. one of its own acquisitions, the Flatiron School. Right? Sure. The Flatiron School was, um, while well, we were the first design bootcamp across the country, they were the first coding bootcamp really, um, them and Dev Bootcamp to launch this new movement of full-time immersion in education and specifically technology. So it was kind of fun for us to to reach out to that team and connect with them because we both felt like we were at the forefront of really trying to disrupt the education system. And so as I've kind of noted in telling the in telling the origin story from my perspective, you weren't there at the very beginning of it designation, right? You were still, I mean you you graduated college and went corporate. Yeah. Right? So um First off, I worked at Ernst & Young, had a CPA. Um, my dad's a CPA, so he's very proud of that. Um, I remember passing the, the, the test to get my CPA just to please my dad. But I knew, you know, I had my eyes on entrepreneurship and starting my own business. And I was poking around, going to 1871, connecting with people like you in the community, trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. Luckily, Andrew and I, um, we went to college together, and he had already been in the scene before I arrived. And I had a lot of opportunities connected with me that um, we we explored together. And the final one would be uh, designation. The differences between you know working in corporate America and, and a startup are obviously stark. But um, I learned a lot by working in a large organization that is respected, that has um, their output is is of the utmost quality and the service work they do. Um, the processes they have in place is is incredible. So. I brought that in and and given that the rest of our founders had, you know, maybe limited corporate experience, that was something really great to lean on um, as a foundation. So you left Ernst & Young what year? It was December of 2013. Um, designation, the designation was running nighttime classes and it was a part-time program. And based on these coding boot camps that were offering full-time programs, guaranteeing jobs, we said to ourselves, could we do this with design? And I remember meeting Kevin at the Chicago Brown Line stop uh, at the Starbucks there, where we were um, 
there was an office space there that we weren't paying rent to that we would continue to meet in. And uh, I decided that it was something that I thought was worth pursuing. I'm passionate about education. Uh, my brother's a graphic designer, um, but I, I wasn't necessarily passionate about design. That grew over time. Uh, but at, you know, getting into education and, and, and helping people get jobs in a system that I felt like spurned me in the past um, was super exciting. Mm-hmm. And so how did you how did you get entangled then with designation as a as a late co-founder, if you will? Sure. So December, I tell Kevin that I want to be involved. And by February, we have the website up of 2014, of which we're going to launch a full-time program and people are going to show up from all across the country uh, with with faith in us to get them jobs in in April. So in February, when that site went up was when I put my two weeks in. And quit my job at Ernst Young and uh, and and showed up for day one. It was interesting going into the managing partner's office. Uh, I was kind of scared, you know. I have I have the uh, punk rocker approach to entrepreneurship, but for some reason I I felt like he was going to respond poorly. And I had a very small relationship with him, but turns out that he had started his own business and said, "That's you know tremendous that you're doing this. It's a great age to do it. I did it myself." When I was uh, 24 years old, I quit Ernst Young, and he said, "There's always a seat for you back here." Um, so that was pretty supportive, you know, in a in a in a time where you're feeling, you know, a little scared about what's next. So that's you said early 2015, 2014, 2014, early 2014. So we had we had not launched our website when I joined. We got the website up, um, and my job was I think my title was head of business development or something. And I was just reaching out to companies all day, trying to get them to sign up to hire our talent and pay us for it. And they would ask us, hey, can we see some of your resumes of, of some of your students? And I would say, well, they don't exist yet. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, it was a little difficult to sell, but I got you know Yelp and other companies to sign up at the time were you know, great places for our students to work. But that was my first, first role. Um, and we tried to transform that part-time program into a full-time program which uh, was interesting because day one came around. I was not on the curriculum team and everyone showed up from California to Australia to New York and there was nothing to do for them at 10 a.m. in the morning. Mm. So that was our first fight as co-founders yeah. as we got into the conference room. I was like, what are, we, what are they going to do? Um, because we tried to just parlay our part-time program into full-time, which was teaching at night but they have to do something during the day. <laughs> so um, we really, we charged very little. It was $2,000 for the program at a time when it was 12 grand on average for these courses. It was a 10 week program. And everyone in that class knew that this was our first shot at this. And it was a low price that they were willing to take the risk. So they really were like our stakeholders um, in, in the founding of the program. And it was kind of exciting for us uh, to have people so invested, customers, students so invested in us and our success because they just gave us nonstop feedback. And uh, that was actually a good move by us to charge so little, kind of get an MVP out there and learn how the hell to do this thing um, over time. All right. So spring of 2014, you run your first full-time program. And then when you and I connected in 16, you tell me the story of what actually then happened between that first program and almost exactly two years later. Right yep. when, when you and I reconnected. So go ahead and summarize that that two-year period. Yeah. So uh, 
at first we had, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of misalignment among the co-founders and that came out very quickly. And we lost our first co-founder in, I want to say July of 2014 after the April kickoff of the first cohort. And from there, um, we continued to grind along. Um, we extended the program from 10 to 12 weeks. We knew that the design takes longer to teach than it does software engineering. It's a more uh, qualitative and feedback-driven profession than um, something that's so objective as the code doesn't work. Um, so uh, we continued to learn and, and try to make the product better, and people kept signing up for our courses. We had a lot of misalignment between Kevin and I on what we should charge and how we should market. Um, and unfortunately, in, in December, we got to a point where we were about to run out of cash. We had about one month left. And the remaining two co-founders, Will and Kevin, well, Kevin being the founder, um, decided that we should close the school. And we went home that night to sleep on it. And I pulled up my 401k and said, would this be enough to get us through April? Hmm. Could, we, could we get to April? Because that's when I think some of the things that I would change would would kick into play, which is higher the price as well as um, turn off all marketing automation and personally email every single person that comes through. Because I, I really felt that to make a decision on a program like ours and change careers and move from one city to another was a stressful, stressful decision. And you need to talk to someone. And that's why admissions departments have hundreds of people calling all day um, to make sure that you feel comfortable with where you're going. And um, those two little decisions almost overnight changed, changed the business and the course of the business. But it took a little longer as far as the cash flow to come in because people were committing to courses and we were selling them out. And uh, I had to pull out my credit card and start advancing our team's payroll. And I had almost $50,000 in, in uh, credit card debt, just making sure our team was paid. And this was all behind the scenes, basically for, for me to know. Okay, so I'm going to interrupt you here because I think this is an important point to make for people who haven't experienced entrepreneurship, and maybe even for those who have, because it probably dredges up some <laughs> really painful memories. You are a late co-founder in this business. You also mentioned Will, which I, who I um, skipped over, uh, so we need to honor Will's contribution to this as well. But you're a late co-founder. The two original founders are ready to shut down the business. You offer up your 401k. Right to proceeds. Right. So instead of shutting down the business, right. how about I pay your family, Kevin's family, who was um, entirely gracious to help us get started with about thirty thousand dollars in capital, which is about exactly what I had in my four hundred one k, and I try to run this thing forward. And you know, we we change up the cap table a little bit uh, for the risk that I'm taking. Got it. So you're buying out other quote unquote investors, right? Right. They provide some funding. But then in addition, it wasn't enough. You're ponying up your own credit card balances. Mm -hmm. advanced, it, it, I advanced close to $50,000 on my credit card to pay payroll for an, another three months and rent and so on and so forth. Right. So there's some significant belief that you have, right? If you think about it, the hardest thing I think in business is product market fit. We had it. People are moving their lives and they're getting jobs. What we're doing matters in the world. How could we ever let this, you know, fall apart or, or fail? So if we get through and weather the storm, charge the right amount of money for the program, we're going to be, you know, in great shape, and we can build something that's really special that lasts forever. So you do that, 
how do Andrew and Kevin respond to your offer to not only put Andrew, money on Andrew the table? Andrew left us earlier on in the program. So it was just Kevin, Will, and I okay. um, by the time this happened. And um, they accept the offer. Uh, and I remember I had to take Will out. I still needed a head. So we're losing out of four people. Kevin was leaving the business. So we're losing just sure willpower and manpower uh, to to run the business. So I had to take Kevin or uh, excuse me, Will out for a beer and say, "Hey, this is what's happening. I would love if you stayed on. I can't. I can't do this. I'm not going to do this if you don't stick around." And I really appreciate Will believing in me. I mean, he looked at me like I was crazy. You're you're going to liquidate your 401k, take a 20% penalty, and whatever else comes with liquidating your 401k early. And um, he stuck around and through thick and thin and and for multiple years and helped us build something that lasts. And then along the way, tell us what happens with Kevin. So Kevin moved on to other ventures um, and, and stayed a part of, we would have monthly calls and and I would give him updates on how the business is doing. Um, but it's, it's, those things are stressful. You know, Kevin's the founder and now this thing's growing and that can create some challenges and friction. You have to be really effective at communicating. I could have done a much better job. Um, I'm sure he would admit he would, could have done a better job too. But as we know, money can change things and revenue and, and valuation. And, um, you know, I think we did our best and ultimately we ended at a, an awesome outcome for everyone. So this is around the time when you and I reconnect. Yep. Right. The Andrew and Kevin are no longer involved in the day-to-day operations. You and Will are leading things. We connect. We have a few conversations. You guys agree. Yeah, we we're going to enroll in this program. And so from your perspective, talk a little bit about what that experience was like. Less about, you know, I, I don't want to make this about the Junto Institute, more about the designation story and Aaron's story of what you discovered, what you learned, both as uh, a leader, but then also as a human being during that journey. I think Kunto, uh, you know, I'm not going to talk about the program, but it is about looking inside and all businesses should do that, whether it's here or there. We initially signed up for the Junto Institute um, because I thought it would be good for Will. I wasn't thinking about myself. Um, not that I thought I was perfect, but Will took a bet on me um, back at that bar when I first took over the company. And I wanted to help him become a better leader for our business and for himself. And uh, as we got into the program, it turned out to be a ton of value for myself as well. Through an experience where you have $50,000 in credit card debt and you don't feel like anyone's there to help you, you feel quite alone. To be able to talk to other CEOs that are going through quite similar things, whether it's personal and losing a family member at the time of uh, you know business decline, or um, are there family matters or business matters where they feel like the business is about to fail? Um, everyone had a shared experience that could connect with mine. So for the first time in my life, I did not feel alone, which was an incredibly powerful thing. And I remember going into work after my first forum next morning, just feeling supported, not by anyone in the room, not by even the forum in the room, just by this, you know, spiritual, you're not alone in this thing um, that you're trying to build. So throughout the course of that experience, we started to focus on things like vision, mission, and values. I think we got by without having those, you know, in concrete by 
the virtue of the work we were doing. Our mission was to get people jobs and careers that they love in the field of user experience and user interface design. Um, we're changing people's lives. They're getting 60% increases in pay between before and after the program. They're loving the work that they do. And design in itself is virtuous in the, in the sense that it's about teaching people empathy for other people or users as we call them um, and, and trying to solve their problems for them or with them if you're talking about co-creation. So we didn't have to have a reason to wake up in the morning and have an awesome culture. It was really born out of you know the the what academics and education should be about. But we're also a business and having that mission vision values written and you know contextualized and communicated every single day was important because on the other side of the coin people quitting their jobs, moving to Chicago, moving their families is incredibly stressful on all employees including leadership. You feel the weight of that responsibility every single day. And if you don't remind yourself or make it a, honestly a habit to remind yourself of why we're here, it can become quite a grind. And we did a great job of retaining everyone for the first four years um, and even leading up to the, the acquisition by um, you know, continuing to communicate and reiterate that this work that we're doing is actually changing the world. And um, it's not changing the entire world each individual that comes through our program, we're changing their world by the career that they get, the income that they're making, and um, the passion for the work that they do. So you finish the program, you guys graduate successfully, and then you make a decision to stay in um, a forum with not only your fellow alumni from uh, the, who also went through the program with you, but even some additional alumni. Um, and so that was last year in 2018, because what I failed to tee up was designation went through the program in 2017. So then last year in, in 18, you're in this alumni forum uh, during a period where personally you underwent a lot of transitions, uh, some of which we look back and laugh about, but others that are a little bit more meaningful sure. and moving and personal. Um, share with us a little bit about what, what took place that year. Sure. So um, towards the end of the Junto program, I was in a relationship and we had we had various occurrences that were quite unfortunate and all within the same month. Multiple cars stolen, leaks through the ceiling, um, car accidents, all happening within this crazy month of July and August. It seemed like we could not catch a break when it came to our personal lives. And we come out of the program, we get through that experience. But it, um, I should say that it was really nice to relate those moments in life where it feels like you're just getting shit on left and right. And to be able to have people just listen and tell you everything's going to be okay was pretty useful. I want to add here, because since I was in the room during most of those conversations, what Aaron said was dead on here. He's not exaggerating. Like When he's saying multiple cars stolen, I think there was a scooter in there too, right? Car, scooter, bicycle, car, car accident once we got the car back. And then we could not use half our house because there was a leak that happened four different times in that month. We would come home and there would just be three inches of water that we're walking through. Can you imagine after a long day, 12 hours working at work and you come home and you, you've got just a puddle and your car's gone. <laughs> right. So this is all real. And, yeah. and by the way, that laugh that you just heard from Aaron is exactly how he would share this. The average person would be angry. The average person might be crying. 
Aaron, ha- I, you know, you could see that he had that in him, some of these negative emotions, but he has this unbelievable sense of levity and humor and the ability to laugh at things. And so you, you would do that. You would laugh at it coming in and almost kind of marvel at the, um, is ridiculity a word, but <laughs> how ridiculous the whole thing was. But my, you know, my, my point here that I'm trying to emphasize is that this is the truth. Like this was actually what was happening and you'd send me text, uh, you text me photos of your, yeah. of the leaks and what, what, then what happened after that. Right? Well, I, I felt the need to take a picture of all of these <laughs> things, because if you were a normal person, you'd be like, there is no way right. all of these things are happening yeah. to you right now. Even the forum, I remember everyone's jaw was dropping, um, as I went through those stories, but we lead on from there, um, and go through the winter, the business is doing well. Um, I get engaged, uh, in that, that December. And we move into the new year with excitement. Throughout those next four or five, six months, uh, we had some more challenges personally in our relationship. Um, business is still going well. Um, and we get to a fateful point where we decide, decide to split up. And the day I got the acquisition offer from WeWork was the day that this happened. So um, another fateful day where not, not one thing can happen uh, at once for me. It always has to be two or three, it seems. And we just discussed another one earlier. So we decide to, you know, break up and call it off on a Friday. And uh, I know that I have to show up to work on Monday and I'm absolutely broken. Never felt this type of pain before in my entire life. Couldn't move for days, just staring at a ceiling. I couldn't grab a TV remote to turn on the TV. I often don't share much with my parents when it comes to my feelings and in my personal life. And I'm calling them and crying. And it was an incredibly trying time. I've, I've never seen myself react to such a, an event in the way I did. So when I knew, I knew when I went into work on Monday um, and we have this acquisition offer, which I had shared with, the stu- uh, with our team, um, I didn't want them to think that the business was failing or the acquisition was going poorly. When I'm moping around the office or standing in a corner crying, I wanted them to know that everything is fine, but I'm dealing with something very personal. So I called a meeting in the morning and said, you know how I got engaged this past December. And as soon as I said that, everyone knew what Mm. was to come next. And it was actually really incredible and made me want to go into work instead of, you know, crawl into a ball at home. Mm -hmm. Um, they were constantly looking out for me, uh, bringing me a coffee, checking in and see how I'm doing. But also they felt like the need to lift, um, you know, lift the business up on their own, um, and be leaders within the company as I was going through this trying time. Um, simultaneously, I'm trying to gather legal documents and handbooks and meeting with all these attorneys. And it, it was, it was quite a grind for, you know, throughout that process. Um, to be going through that experience. All right, Aaron, one of the things I want you to get into is the integration of designation into Flatiron and WeWork. But before you do that, I want you to tell an important part of the story, which is something that I have personally been very proud that you did and that I've actually bragged a little bit about to other people that you did. Um, and in a very bizarre way, it's very Aaron-ish as it relates to designation, because we've already talked about you, uh, cashing in your 401k and taking on credit card debt for the benefit of the company. This time it was a little bit of the opposite. So, um, the deal closes 
and um, it's a successful exit. Tell us what happens then that day or the day after, whenever it was. We were quite unorganized when it came to the cap table and how we legally set up our company. So we really would just create spit and handshake agreements. We would write a piece of paper where we'd sign and say, here's what equity we promise you as designation. And should the outcome come one day where we have an exit, I promise to make sure you're considered. And the day that we got acquired, well, it wasn't memorialized in our designation operating agreement. I personally got to walk around the city and give some of my own resources to each individual that I promised um, to participate in the outcome of the company. And um, I just remember walking around the streets of Chicago on my feet with you know checks in my pocket, crying and feeling so proud for the first time in my life in myself and what we had achieved, and as well as you know the excitement of what we could look forward to in the future. The deal with WeWork and Flatiron closes in August. Yes, August 24th. And so that's, I mean, you just named the date, right? So it's, it's stamped in your, in your mind, in your heart, your spirit forever, right? It's, gonna, it's a meaningful moment in your, in your story. I can't remember the day they gave me the offer and she broke up with me though. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Uh, well, it's also probably because you signed a whole bunch of legal documents yeah. that probably <laughs> the date on there, right? Um, okay, so let's talk about what that's been like this past, what's it, so 15 or 16 months then. Um, as you related at the beginning, um, you made the transition from a corporate background into an entrepreneurial background. And now to some degree, you're kind of going back to a corporate background, but it's a little bit different, right? Because we work as a um, an innovation economy firm. It's not an old school industrial economy firm that's um, got decades of history to it. It's cool. It's got a hot vibe. At the time in 18, it is one of the hottest companies in the world. Right? The hottest. They right. were the number one privately valued company. Okay. There you go. Um, so this is a big deal. And usually what happens is we read about these stories. We hear about these stories and people marvel at, oh, wow, how cool is that? That Aaron's company got acquired by Flatiron and WeWork. Now share with us a little bit about what the experience was like from your vantage point. What were you going through? So everyone has their own acquisition experience or story. And most of the time, by the book, if you read like the Harvard Business Review, it would be, do not share it with your team. But I'd never been about that with my team. And given that we had a pretty challenging year, I thought it was important for me to share that this opportunity had come across our desks. And I think it's an absolute home run hit for both of us. Um, they had the same vis- vision, mission, and values as we do, um, except they taught software engineering and data science, and we teach design. The leadership team was amazing and virtuous, um, and we work, and, and their experience of working with them was incredible. They gave them all the resources they needed to continue to add value to their students and make the programs more ex- uh, accessible by geographic expansion. So everything was there that was a perfect fit for us so we can continue doing what we love, but also do it with, with more support. The experience of going through a transaction is, is incredibly trying. I don't know if I've ever worked as hard as I did in my entire life. It's 24 seven. Um, we were a tiny company about, I don't know, 22 people and 10 full time. And I got on the first legal call with WeWork and they've got 12 attorneys sitting around a round table in a WeWork office. 
and they're like, we're so excited to work with you. You know, we have this huge checklist and they set up a deal room and they say, first things first, we would love if you could connect us with your head of HR, your head of accounting, uh, your personal assistant and any other, you know, meaningful positions that could be helpful throughout the transaction. And I kept turning my head back and forth towards the camera and said, hi, I'm head of HR. Hi, I'm head of accounting. Hi, I'm head of legal. And they started laughing and I said, I don't think you understand. Like we're a small, small company. And um, a lot of these things you're going to ask for, we don't have, but um, you're going to be mostly working with me. And I really, which was a probably a poor decision. I wanted to shield my team from the extra work and continue focusing on working with our students. So I took the entire burden on <laughs> myself and for four or five straight weeks, didn't really sleep. Um, and ultimately flew to London for our WeWork summer camp with my ears and nose bleeding. I'm sick. I haven't slept. Um, but we're, we're, we almost got the transaction done in time for that, for that trip. But um, I would say that it's just have your shit ready, have your um, documents ready. If you're looking to be acquired, have them in order. Um, I just so happened to be unorganized on that front. I think one, one funny thing was that almost derailed the entire deal. We were a day before closing. We are general li liability insurance for designation expired because I, uh, I left our credit card at one of our graduations mm. at the bar God. and, um, I got in a change, but it never dawned on me that the auto pay wouldn't go through. Um, but the essence of the transaction was two people that wanted to work together, two teams that wanted to work together. And Adam, CEO of Flatiron, even had a laugh. He had a laugh about it. But so we got through that issue. But um, being being organized through that experience and lean on your team would have been uh, the advice I would have given to myself. Or if you were to do it again, that's yeah. what you would do, right? So now let's talk about the integration. So the deal is done, it's official, and you are now uh, an employee of another company. And your team is also a part of a much, much bigger team, mm -hmm. which itself is a part of a much, much bigger team, right? Because again, Flatiron is the one that acquired you guys, but Flatiron is owned by WeWork. So talk a little bit about the integration, talk a little bit about the idea of uh, the values matching up um, as this was becoming kind of reality, if you will. Yeah, 100%. Um, so where the deal started was by shared alignment on mission vision values. Obviously, we had a successful business. We were known in the industry as the best design program in the country. And, and that's where we started from. And it was really about getting to know each other uh, throughout the transaction more than um, looking at the numbers. Um, which were obviously still important. The first thing that was challenging was the technical side of things. You have to migrate your 401k over to their 401k. My God, how much work that was. You have to transfer benefits from one provider to another. You have to get corporate IT security to look at all of your laptops that your team's been using. You have to put their software on theirs and they have to ship you a new Mac. And all of these things of joining a larger organization and we're just basically a, a gigantic uh, um, security risk because we're using, you know, a small business uh, approach to to security. There are the uh, organizational side of things, like where do we fit in the org structure? Um, something that's very challenging is that when you're a small team, people have a lot of responsibility and lateral um, responsibility into different areas. 
everyone helped us write certain blog posts. Everyone got an opportunity to participate in strategic planning for the entire business. And when you're at the size of 10 or 12 people, that makes sense. When you are 150 and then 300 people, um, as we grew very quickly at Flatiron School, that has to change and you have to surrender that responsibility. So you have to navigate some of those challenges. At the same token, they've never been through this too. So all of us um, had to really meet in the middle and say, we're all in, we're trying to operate in the best interests of each other. Um, let's openly communicate about the challenges and, and the feelings that we're, we have throughout the experience. And that proved to be incredibly pr uh, productive. There were, were lots of things that we could have done better um, on both sides. But um, all in all, as long as both sides were communicating and, and being open and honest about how things were going, um, we ultimately ended up at, the, at a good place. For me personally, as a leader, it is quite different being CEO where you're listening to everyone's ideas and then you make the final decision uh, or, or um, the best decision for the company. And when you're thrust into a new organization, I'm not going to have that responsibility nor authority. I was always okay with giving up that authority, um, but I did miss the responsibility of, of the decisions because we also passionately believed in what we were doing. And this is someone I've never worked with before, and you have to trust that they're going to make the right decision. Um, and I really believe their leadership team was, was incredible and, and they hired well and so on and so forth. The vision, mission, and values, um, it's kind of similar to uh, the things that we talk about in a relationship with someone. Um, I value family, Raman, you value family, but the definition of what that means, and it, it's quite different. For me, I have a small family, and that means seeing each other around all the holidays, having visits to each other. Um, but as far as third, fourth, fifth cousins, we don't go to all of their birthday parties and so on and so forth. Um, we're very, you know, a strong core um, for our family. Other families, it might be seeing everyone and including everyone, and that's that is your entire family and your existence. And both are the value of family, the values of which um, we we had a designation versus Flatiron School and WeWork were the same, um, but the definitions could be could be slightly different. So it's just trying to navigate what those differences are, and and communicating myself and, and their leadership team to describe those differences so we can make sure we meet in the middle and everyone stays happy. Okay. So let's go further with the integration because I think there's two important lessons that you have that might resonate with entrepreneurs and founders who are hoping for an exit, thinking about an exit, may have exited as well. Um, but I think these are really two valuable lessons that, that you took away from the experience. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first one was a theme of one of our mentor meetings that I'm um, participating in this this uh, past year. And it's that you have to continue to assume the best in people if you're a leader and continue to over-communicate. So no one's ever experienced the type of growth that WeWork was experiencing, nor um, the speed at which we were growing at Flatiron School. We were a 10-person company that joined a 60-person company that grew to 180 by the time the transaction was done. And we're at 300 to 500. WeWork's going from 4,000 to 8,000 to 12,000 employees. Things are breaking every day um, and things have to continue to be reinvented and shifted around. And you can't assume that um, people are trying to, to put you in a spot that doesn't help you succeed. We're all working together to try to figure it out. 
So um, I think something we did very well was always understanding that this is extremely challenging. Every day you got to say that to yourself, what we're doing is very challenging. And we all are trying to create um, an environment that is successful for everyone in this business. And by doing so, um, we were able to maintain strong relationships with everyone throughout the course of the, the integration as well as the growth. One other challenging thing was that um, in my experience of one exit uh, or integration is that um, mission is above the brand. We got to a point where we had 12 campuses, um, four programs within each campus um, on average and designation, our Chicago campus, um, as required by the state of Illinois, each state has its rules, so had to stay designation here in Chicago, um, was one discipline on one campus. And we have this huge marketing team that's really incredibly talented um, and, and distributed across the country, mostly in New York. But to manage one small brand was not going to be an area of focus. It's just the way it's going to work. So early on, I was you know, communicating with the team, maybe we can do uh, Flatiron School of Design, or should we do Flatiron School of Engineering? Um, should we create Flatiron School of Designate? Like we are toying with all of these things, but it came quite apparent that we weren't going to be effective at maintaining multiple brands or a house of brands. We needed to brand the house. And um, I sent a long email as why why we should do this. Every state that we go to, instead of having to get a designation license and a Flatiron School license. We just get a flat iron school license and we focus on marketing one brand. And I said, I think it's time we start to think about how to roll up designation. Our company, our brand, our logo, everything that's important to um, us the last five years, our alumni. And really, if we're going to fulfill our mission and help people get into the field of design at scale, it was important that we uh, roll up the brand name. So it was a very difficult decision. And uh, it was difficult to tell my team that that kind of was started by me um, as an initiative, uh, which is kind of funny though. We made that decision a year ago um, and it still hasn't happened, <laughs> uh, but it's in the, it's in the process of so. Okay. So the integration has happened. You guys are now a part of the WeWork and Flatiron families and it's 2019. WeWork has filed for an IPO and this past, I think it's summertime, is when things really start to crack, um, at least in the public's eye, right? That news started, starts to hit about some of the concerns. Uh, we all know what has happened because we are having this conversation in November of 2019, just before Thanksgiving. And by now, we're well aware that um, the IPO was taken off the table. Um, funding issues occurred, valuation issues occurred, and more importantly, the entire WeWork workforce has been affected. And so talk a little bit about what you lived through these last couple of months and in particular what the outcome has been. I can definitely say it was, it, it was challenging because we were the, um, seemed to be the front page of CNN every single day um, with a new update. Um, and as leaders within the company, we knew that we had a, a great mission and a great business. Um, and maybe we had hit, I guess you would say a roadblock of sorts. Um, so keeping your head down throughout all of that, as far as committing to the work that you have to do day to day is super important. Connecting with your team and, and letting them know that this is all going to, you know, pass over at some point 
I mean, if you look at the way we consume news now today, as soon as the news, the last news article hits about a certain thing, we move on to the next thing. So as soon as they run out of things to write about us, uh, the, you know, these things will pass and time will pass. So there's an incredibly challenging time to navigate. Um, we're also, you know, opening new schools. We have all of these exciting things going on. We had a cybersecurity bootcamp join our team, similar in the same way designation joined Flatiron School. And knowing that what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, we have students in the classroom when you show up to work, uh, made things a little easier. Like it doesn't matter what's going on outside what we're doing here. So I would say that was incredibly challenging, but with uh, you know the layoffs, um, I was actually a part of those. And I found that out about two weeks ago. And I knew I knew that possibly could come um, as an accountant. Uh, I'm certified public accountant in the state of Ohio, as now expired. Um, I think <laughs> uh, I knew that where where you can make cuts. And what's more important than me is our mission at Flatiron School and Designation and WeWork is to continue thriving and and building communities that um, allow people to make a life and not a living. So while this has been challenging. Um, if I were to have uh, the emotion wheel in a general sense of, of where I was that day, the day you know I was no longer with the company, is that um, I'm optimistic for the Flatiron School. Uh, what we do there and the team that's there is absolutely incredible and I'm going to miss it. Um, I'm anxious uh, in terms of um, what could come next. I'm confident and, and I feel secure that I have the skills and the resources to figure out what I want to do next. But the anxiety comes from you don't know what it is. And that mystery um, kind of sits in your belly uh, every single day you wake up at 9 or 10 or 11 <laughs> when you're unemployed. Uh, so conti uh, continuing to explore over the next few months will be really important to me, um, whether it's uh, experimenting with stand-up taking some coding classes online, getting involved with the communities like Kunto and the other ones that I'm in touch with and, and staying connected to what we do here in Chicago um, will, be, will be important. And uh, one thing that I skipped over that occurred in 2019 is you became a mentor for the Junto Institute at the Junto Institute with one of the companies that's currently in the program. And it didn't occur to me till just now how, as we've shared, you know, the the story of how our our own stories are kind of intertwined, right? Going back to the roots of designation, mm -hmm. that um, the day of the last mentor meeting that you attended two weeks ago, um, I had to leave a little early, and you had told us that you had a call um, right oh, after yeah. that meeting. And you texted me about half an hour later. It's done. <laughs> that was the day you got laid off. The, the, yes. the, the day that you got heard the news, right? I think um, when you're uh, in a leadership position or leading a company or an entrepreneur, you kind of have that sixth sense of mm -hmm. uh, what decisions need to be made. Because while I'm not the one making a decision, I know how to put myself in their shoes. And um, you know, I knew uh, you know we had our four to six mentor meeting. And I had a call at six o'clock with leadership, um, what was going to happen. But um, it was kind of fun to, 
to joke with the team um, as as the CEO feels, you know, maybe anxious about what might be happening that day, um, you know, uh, providing him with uh, uh, a little bit of uh, comparison of what other experiences are going. It's not the end of the world what you're experiencing today. I'm about to get fired. So uh, we had a nice laugh about that. So yeah, just to summarize that piece. Um, so Aaron attends, uh, I think it was probably your fifth mentor team meeting, um, your fifth meeting with Unto as a mentor. And that's the day that you get the news that you are part of the the layoffs. And so just in another bizarre way, our stories are intertwined again. And and it's worth mentioning, that was the best mentor meeting I've ever been a part of. So nice. to go through a two-hour session, if you will, on inspiration, shared experiences, it was also a, a session where others could share stories and advice. Um, it was just knowing that you know the guillotine was coming at six o'clock. <laughs> uh, it was inspirational that this is just life. Yeah. Life has ups and downs and and throws these curveballs at you, but we're all living it together and we have these shared experiences. So meeting people where they are and in, in whatever emotional state they're in um, just makes you a better human. So that's a great way for us to kind of come to a close and segue into um, what we do at the conclusion of all of our episodes on Flourishing Together, which is what we do in Junto, and that's uh, closing appreciations. Awesome. So a few quick appreciations. Um, the first one is sitting here across from you telling a story. Uh, it seems that we've been telling the story in real time, chapter by chapter, page by page, running into each other at meetups to the Junto Institute, to getting a breakfast or a coffee and sharing those days or weeks events. And um, along the way, I had no idea we'd be writing a little book together. So I appreciate that. I appreciate uh, my good friend, Nick Battaglia, who passed away um, this past week. Um, given the fact that I'm unemployed, it was and continues to be Really nice to be full time, you know, I, I able to to grieve and, and be with friends and family, and uh, think about you know ways to to honor him. Um, so I'm happy to be here to do that, and um, I appreciate being able to um, have someone like you, where you're bringing up things that I've forgotten about in my journey, that uh, whether I should be proud or embarrassed of, um, that you're you're here to always listen and and take care of. Um, uh, the stories that we're creating around you. Thank you. I appreciate your humor, your humility, and your resilience. You always have this ability to light up a room with your laugh and your irreverence, um, irreverent way of looking at things. Uh, you take things in stride. You've been through, as you mentioned, um, a lot of significant lows uh, in the time that I've known you, and also some pretty cool highs. And you haven't let those highs get the best of you, which is uh, an attribute, a human attribute that I just deeply admire. And, and I'm fortunate to be around a lot of people like that, but it's been fun watching that occur with you. And then finally, uh, what you have been through and bounced back from is remarkable. I would have probably been broken um, going through those types of things at that stage of my life. I'm quite a bit older than you are, and to think that I don't know how I could cope with those today um, makes me uh, kind of makes my mind spin. But to imagine that you have already been through all of that in the last couple of years is, is pretty profound. So I uh, really appreciate what you're made of and appreciate oh, thank you, 
the work that your parents did in helping shape that. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next episode. This episode was produced by Dante32.